Welcome to episode 16 of Where's My Sports At? Your weekly dose of sports analysis made for the fans by the fans, mixed with a healthy dose of beer, bullshit and banter. In today's podcast, I'm going to be speaking with our resident Springboks fan, Andres, about the epic quarterfinal game that was played between the Springboks and France this morning. G'day mate, thanks for coming along, it's good to see you. Thank you very much Craig, good to see you too. And uh, what are you drinking today? So I am having the Praga Czech beer, um, and it's a premium Pilsner, it's a lovely drop. Oh, that's good. And I've got the Orion, which is Okinawa's Craft, the draft. And I think that is a lager. So that's that's pretty crisp as well. So what a game. What a game. What a couple of quarterfinals. I'm, actually, I'm only saying two because um, they're the real two that count. And that was the All Blacks versus Ireland and the Springboks versus France. How, how do you feel knowing you're through to the next stage? Uh, what a game. Uh, well, both of them, you know, fabulous games. Uh, I must admit, I haven't watched the other two games. I thought that's what I'll go and have a look at tonight because they were at awkward times. I had to decide whether I was going to stay up uh, at it from 11 p.m. till 1 p.m. and then uh, watch the other game at 3 a.m. And on a Monday morning before work, that felt like a bridge too far for me personally. And... Um, but, uh, yeah, fantastic games. And while, uh, I don't know, it, it's with a sense of relief, I think, that I saw the the outcome of the game, you know, the Springbok game at the end of it. Um, and then, you know, when you reflect on it, there's also a bit of sadness, actually, for both France and for Ireland in terms of such fantastic teams, uh, both on top of their game actually falling out and just, again, the realization about the really, really small margins in this game and how many, how very many moments in the game, mm-hmm. you know, if any one of them, the ball bounced the other way, then, um, yeah, you know, the result may have looked different. One point difference. It's not a lot, is it? Yeah, well, it's a full point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, and it only takes one full point, doesn't it? But both games were, were so close in the points. And I watched, the, um, I watched I think, three of the four games. The All Blacks Island, I thought that was a quarterfinal for the ages. And I was like, wow. And then I watched the Springboks um, France game, and I thought, that's another quarterfinal oh. for the ages. I think both of those games could easily have been a final for the Rugby World Cup and nobody would have walked away feeling that they did not get value for the ticket price um, if they'd watched that as the final. Um, And I think the other thing that I thought when on reflection is I don't think that between the top four teams now in the world and the loss for both Ireland and France doesn't really change that in my mind. They may be elsewhere in the rankings after the Rugby World Cup, but um, I don't think there's a full seven points between the top four teams at the moment. Wow, that's pretty close, isn't it? But I know we were watching the game at the same time, obviously, because it's one at the same time, <laughs> yeah. but through the chat, you were uh, I could feel your heightened tensions, probably probably the same as the uh, the French fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've also just finished reading Rassi Erasmus's book, so I had a little, little bit more in the back of my head while I was watching the game. Uh, one of the weird things that I reflected on before the game was um, during the British and Irish Lions test series, 
Rossi was famously stood down, uh, well, not stood down, he was uh, suspended by World Rugby from all rugby for uh, first for about two months and then he wasn't allowed to attend any rugby games in person for a year. And um, actually the one of the witnesses uh, at that uh, thing was actually Ben O'Keefe. Wow. So that, you know, just from a conflict <laughs> perspective, when you think about that, it's like, like, so, you know, you question how objective a guy like Ben O'Keefe can be in that context. We're going there. We're going there first off, aren't we? Then <laughs> the elephant in the room, Mr. Ben O'Keefe, yeah. because oh. um, obviously you were um, – Putting it out there even before the game was over that uh, that you had concerns about the refing and obviously that could come from the book. But I watched the press conferences of both uh, coach and captain for both teams today, and Sia and Jacques are probably winning allows you to be a little bit more magnanimous. Uh, yes. They they had nothing but good things to say because the French. Uh, reporter, the first one to ask a question was like, well, Anton Dupont said the ref was rubbish, basically. What do you think? And they're like, no, absolutely not. You know, this being very gracious, but uh, Gaultier and Dupont didn't seem to accept very little responsibility for the loss. They were disappointed and they also spoke about the ref, but they didn't do a Eddie Jones who started off the press conference saying, this is all my fault. They just seemed like they had expected to win. The country had expected to win. They were expecting a fairy tale, and it didn't happen. And it was someone else's fault, but them. Yeah, it's it's it really is interesting. And I think when you know you're a, a one-eyed supporter of any team, and you you're in a tight game like that, then you will feel like the ref robbed you, whichever side you're on. And uh, yeah, and I, I I haven't listened to Dupont's comments personally. I just saw them reported in the media. I'm not must say, having again read Rossi's book and having followed the guy, I wouldn't read too much in his positive comments about the referees either. No, it was it was Nineveh, Nineveh, <laughs> yes, and, um, and Sia. Same thing, I suppose, because I don't think that you will now find them criticizing referees, whether they actually hold that view or not. Yes. Um, and um, because there is no gain for them in that. And uh, there's only downsides. I can see, just looking at the, the stats in the game, what's interesting is that penalties conceded on offense or. Uh, France had four penalties conceded on offence, mm-hmm. whereas the Springboks only had one penalty conceded on offence. Um, however, the reverse of that is true for penalties conceded on defence. And um, so, yeah, so it, it, I suppose that's, you know, it, it's all about these key moments and you don't know what the strategy of the team was at various times. I, I think I now know that the box have got different strategies around what they do around their scrums at certain times, uh, you know, in certain places on the field. And um, so so based on that, um, yeah, you know, if, if things go against your your plan that you had for that um, that scrum, then, yes, it's, you know, it's easy to feel aggrieved. And sometimes it didn't 
what the referee said versus what you saw on the field didn't always make sense. So, for example, uh, you know, scrum penalty going against South Africa, but the French prop lying prone on the floor on the other side. And you go, well, hang on, that that doesn't look right. Mm. Um, uh, Yeah, so things like that. uh, But, you know, again, I'd look at it from a Springbok fan perspective. I have no doubt that a French, full-blooded French fan would would also see it. Uh, you know that that there was something that not quite to their liking uh, on the other side. My usual gripes or my my current long-standing gripes stand, uh, though. Um, again, in this game, there wasn't communication with the TMO that. Uh, the viewer could follow oh, yes. during the game. So again, conspiracy theorist. Um, it, but you won. It <laughs> still, <laughs> you, you know, you go. So you know what? And what is bizarre is you could actually, uh, from the commentary, you could pick up that the commentators could hear what the TMO was saying, but the viewers can't hear what the TMO is saying. Um, yes, you're right. That's been in none of the games, though, has it? No, it has certainly been in some of the games I've heard the TMO directly. So that's what's bizarre is there doesn't see, again, and that's the old foe is inconsistency, um, is that what happens in one game doesn't happen in another. Um, and what I don't understand is, and, and there's some education. I mean, there's a guy, a chap on Instagram called Nigel Owens. Uh, I believe he knows a thing or two about refereeing. He's a legend. <laughs> He's a man. So, uh, and I saw there after the, the, the Springbok France game, he was educating some people uh, around some penalties. And it just shows you again how difficult the job of a referee is in that um, a lot of people said uh, at some point, yeah, Springboks needed to be penalized because a person over the ball had their hand on the ground. Um, and um, Nigel Owen said, no, hand on the ground doesn't mean a penalty. Uh, hand on the ground when the referee decides that they are uh, using that to uh, keep their weight up. That is a penalty. So, yes. you know, so, and I don't know, you need to be some form of structural engineer to determine how much weight or not there is on the hand. You're on the damned ground. if you do and you're damned yeah. if you don't, aren't you? So, yeah, so that that's funny. But yeah, the other thing is um, what irks me is the coaching uh, by a referee of uh, especially the front rows. Uh, you know, so that's one thing that came out again. So, and usually prior to engagement uh, or at a reset where, the French uh, uh, front row were the recipients of some coaching uh, from Ben O'Keefe during this game. And then one thing, and I quote him where he said, it's a free kick. If you do that again, it's a penalty. Now, again, in my understanding of the laws, how how is that possible that an offense is a free kick now, but if you do that again, it becomes a penalty. Surely it's either, you know, there's a forward pass and it's okay, or it's not a forward pass and there's nothing wrong. But that, those are just two things that stand out. And, and again, it may be completely above the law. It may just be my own lack of understanding, not being a, a current referee. But it, um, yeah, it, it does look f- funny uh, from a one eyed uh, box supporters perspective well that's and I think any fan is going to be that way I know during the All Blacks um, Ireland game we were exactly the same Wayne Barnes this Wayne Barnes that and I think it's just your natural fear that they are going to have an impact on the game as well isn't it they're going to 
changed the outcome. And, and Wayne actually gave us two yellow cards, but obviously that's all forgiven now because we won. <laughs> yeah. If we hadn't won, it'd be like Wayne Barnes lost us the game. Yeah, that's right. And I must say, after the game, when the, the box won the game, I also thought, oh, maybe I've been too hard on the referee during the game and I felt quite bad about it. And then I saw DuPont's criticism criticism of the referee and I felt a lot better so thank you very much Mr. DePont for your feedback about the referee because it makes me feel uh, better about my own criticism of well, the have referee. A, have a listen to old Jacques Nienabar because he was saying, oh, I'm pretty sure it was him or might have been Sia, they were saying how much they enjoyed his communication but that was the, uh, the commentary for Wayne Barnes as well because he's a lawyer said that he he communicated well and of, I prefer that style to Matt Carley, who communicates with his whistle, and you don't know the reason why. Oh, yes, and I can remember being a, a, a captain of a rugby team and actually asking the referee what was wrong and why he had given a penalty against us, and the referee turned around to me and said, listen, I'm not a coach. Oh. You've got to figure out what you did wrong yourself. <laughs> Jeez. So, I know, this was back in the day several decades ago, uh, and maybe you know things have changed, no doubt, but, um, yeah, so... Maybe I'm still carrying that baggage with me too. It's natural. We all we all feel that way because there's so much riding on his decisions. And it's about perspective, isn't it? Because it's interesting how the both sets of fans can be unhappy with them. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, so respect to all the referees and assistant referees out there. Without them, the game can't go on. But um, I, I think again, it is just it would be better for the game if the rules were simpler, oh. uh, and both referees and uh, spectators, you know, were of the same mind as to what is going on. But then it'd be rugby league, and we'd be um, bored. Yeah, that may be true. Maybe I just want my bread buttered on all sides. It could be. Now you've got some stats there from the game. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a few questions here regarding the stats. So. If one team had possession of 40% and the other had uh, one at 40% and the other at 60%, which team do you think likely won the game? Logic should say the team with the higher percentage. Right. Well, that would be wrong in the game between France and South Africa. So off to the second stat, uh, territory. One team at 63% territory and the other had 37% territory, which which would have won the game. Territory's a harder one, I think, because, you know, it, you would think that it's a team with the more, but history says not every time that's the case. Yes. But uh, in this case, the one with 37% territory won the game. Wow. Then uh, game line success. One team had 54% game line success gain line success the other at 45% gain line success those are pretty equal stats and I think position can also play into those as well so that's a hard one to pick apart yes so the the one with the 45% gain line success won the game then uh, possession kicked um, 57% versus 71% I'm thinking back to the game. There were a lot of kicks in that game. And seven tries. A lot of tries. A lot of tries. I don't know. Who had the high percentage of kicks? South Africa, 71%. Mm, mm. So, yes, yeah, some really interesting things. So, also in tackle success rate, the, um, the French had an 88% tackle success rate, uh, and they've only made that 
been made to make 92 tackles. The Springboks had to make 163 tackles, so almost double the amount of tackles, and they only had an 80% tackle success rate. I would have thought that you know, possibly that might have been higher because Creel and Dialende were pretty much standing in the French back line. Yeah. I know I was ribbing you about that during the <laughs> game. <laughs> and uh, also uh, total carries. The French had 153 carries against South Africa's 80. Um, meters made. And I, this is one of my stats that I'm zooming in on nowadays mm-hmm. is meters made because I don't think it's an accurate stat that predicts the game at all. So 513 versus 418 uh, to South Africa. You would say the team making more meters is the team that's scoring, but I suppose it depends where you're scoring from. And how direct those meters are. True. I think that's the key thing is, you know, diagonally, (laughs) um, you know, run meters across the field, less value of 10 meters straight ahead. Um, Clean breaks, 12 for the French, 5 for South Africa. Wow. Defenders beaten, 42 for the French, 12 for South Africa. Uh, Turnovers lost, 14 for the French, 15 for South Africa. So it is just an incredible game where um, the stats and the outcome uh, almost do not seem to, uh, to align with the outcome of the game. But yeah, what a... What a fantastic game. And, and I mean, the other thing is when you look at these stats, you tend to think that the, the forwards do the forwards thing and the backs do the backs thing. And that's the other thing that I reflected on in this game. I mean, the first few minutes, Bale, who scored that try in the corner uh, from the French, no prop has the rights to uh, be on the wing like that with those catching mm. <laughs> skills and uh, diving skills. So what a fantastic try for him. And uh, on the Springbok side, Eben Etzebeth, I think, had the quickest hands on the field. Um, you know, and it was just it was just bizarre how these monsters on both sides just, um, you know, the, the numbers on the back did not seem to make much difference in terms of how the players played. Um I think who was it? Um, it's not the Linda, uh Jesse Creel. Uh, his face looked like a forward's face after the game. Yes, he was bloodied, wasn't he? Yeah. So um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So just just an absolutely epic game that um, I think after the World Cup, regardless of the outcome, both of these games, the the, the All Black Ireland game and the uh, South African French game can certainly be on the highlight reel because they were both cracking games. I think it's probably one of the best World Cup events so far for the for the closeness of games at a quarterfinal stage. I know we all moaned beforehand about the draw and how you can have the four best teams on the one side of the draw, but my God, those were some cracking games. The stats you gave for the Springboks France game mirror the stats for the All Blacks Ireland. Wow. Ireland had the the higher numbers, but the All Blacks won. And it was interesting for me watching the All Blacks Ireland game seemed very much like the game where Springboks played Ireland. But the Springboks France game was just free flowing rugby. It was it was like we were playing the Springboks game against Ireland and you guys were playing some totally different style of rugby. Yeah, and there, there is some, um, 
Yeah, there, there, there is some things that I've learned from reading Rassi's book in terms of what they are doing. Um, and, and certainly I, they now have the tech to be able to do to change their game plan very quickly. AKA a light? Uh, no, they've they've he's he's created his own um, technology platform um, to train players the game a game plan. Wow! And with joysticks and so on, and then they it you know that it it accelerates their learning of the game plan. Then they can go on to the field, and then they they get to learn it a lot quicker than having to just go on to the field and go okay you run here you run there. Shit. Yes. So and he's he's going to sell that software. So um, yeah, watch out for that. That's funny you say that because when James and I did a review of the All Blacks Island game. I was saying, look, we probably need France to beat the box because I don't want to face the box in the final. And we both agreed that Rezzy is just such a – he's the one that scares us. The players on the field, I know we can we can beat them as much as they beat us, but Rezzy is just someone who thinks outside of the field, and that's what scares you. Yeah, he's, he's an absolutely different creature. I've got so much more respect for him having read his book um, in terms of just how they've done things and – some of his coaching techniques, if people have a negative view of them learning what he does, will probably just reinforce their negative view of the guy. And those that have a positive view of him, it'll reinforce their positive view of him. But things like um, actually teaching the forwards how to do a particular move within a room with a few beers in their hands and then for the first time applying it in a game situation yeah. on the field. He's a smart man. Um, for I think the fear of it being caught on camera and other teams knowing oh. what is to come. That's, that's so <laughs> non-traditional Bok rugby, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and I think they, you know, he's he he his biggest um, accomplishment with the Springboks isn't winning the World Cup. Uh, so you don't want to win then? <laughs> no, we'd love to win that, of course. <laughs> But uh, you've known me for a few years, and you may recall that there was a particular fly-half that I wasn't – Springbok fly-half that I wasn't all that keen on. And I said that even if um, South Africa was forced to pick players of you know that were representative of the, the population, that I firmly believe that there were other guys in various demographics that would be better at playing in that role mm -hmm. than that person. Mm -hmm. And that is Rossi's biggest contribution to the Springbok game is actually the EPD or a player pathway that they created where they went and they identified the top number of players in every position until they included um, representation f uh, across the demographic. So in some roles they may only needed two. In other roles they may need, I don't know, possibly an exaggeration, 15, mm -hmm. the top 15 players before they had representation. But it's actually in tracking and developing all of those players that he um, has been able to have a, uh, you know, this fantastic um, team or squad of players. So if you think that that's the thing that I reflected on 
after this game is to look at you know look at the team. The French didn't believe that the Springboks would go with a five-three <laughs> split on the bench. They went no way. <laughs> These guys are trying to sucker us, yeah. and the French actually went with a six-two split. And I didn't see Matt Williams call that immoral <laughs> anywhere <laughs> in the right. media. Um, and um, and then if you if you sit and you reflect about the players that didn't make it into the twenty-three at all, like Lukanyuam, mm-hmm. um, who is a guy that basically gave the pass for a World Cup winning try in a previous World Cup. Um, Kanan Moody, not even in the 23. Mm-hmm. And those are guys that sit outside that they can still <laughs> tap on the shoulder to step in. You know, so, so and that's, that's what I think he, is his biggest um, accomplishment is developing a team that is representative of, uh, you know, of all the demographics in South Africa, without compromising on quality, on quality in any way. And um, yeah, you know, and they just have fantastic. They, they seem to have fantastic uh, team cohesion. Uh, and reading in his book how, um, you know, they they pick the team on Monday. And uh, if a player, and their rule is, if a player isn't fit to train on Monday, he can't get picked for the weekend. And uh, in one case, they had a star player that happened to be ready on a Wednesday, and he thought about putting that person into the team. And he went to this guy and asked him, "Listen, are you ready for this weekend?" And the guy just said to him, "I wasn't picked." The other guy was picked. He's playing on Saturday. So that's how strong their team culture is. That's scary. And I I don't know if you remember me saying to you probably a few years back that my biggest fear is that South African rugby would get its shit together because they they are a sleeping giant. I know we've talked about France having this massive player pool and these competitions that give them 50-odd professional teams, but South Africa has always been the one that scared me and Damn you, Razzie, for getting this organised because the potential that they are tapping into is frightening. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the thing is that rugby is now an international, you know, is an international sport and people learn from each other. And uh, Rassi also credits actually the the Irish Rugby Union for um, some of for testing him and and developing him as a coach when he coached at Munster because that gave him insight into how the Irish rugby team was set up. So when he was appointed as director of rugby in South Africa, he then obviously put his own flavour and spin on on that, but he made it very clear that his role uh, is different. So as a director of rugby, he wasn't going to be an administrator that sits and writes letters and Mm -hmm. only signs contracts. Uh, he, he believes that everybody in the management team should be hands-on with coaching, so he does that. Uh, and um, he, um, you know, but his main focus is actually South Africa. The, the South African Springbok coach, his job, I believe, is probably the single most difficult um, national coaching job in rugby, given the politics in South Africa. Um, and, you know, various different levels of politics. There's politics between different rugby clubs, you know, mm-hmm. which school did you go yeah. to? Uh, were, were you at Grey High School in Bloemfontein? Were you at Paul Ruiz? Um, and, um, 
yeah, if you weren't, then you were deemed to be a lesser rugby player. And actually, Rossi, um, he wrote it in his book. He's got a lot. He, he gets gains a lot more personally from developing a guy that uh, went to Zwede High School uh, <laughs> or a high school in Zwede, like um, like Siakulisi, than he does, you know, from a guy at Gray High School, which uh, I think they're the Gray High School first team would give many club rugby teams hiding. Oh, they're one of the best in the world. They're <laughs> yes. worse than the world um, school champs. You raised a couple of points there, and uh, I want to touch touch on one of them. I was speaking to a South African chap on the weekend, and um, he was saying that there were certain schools that were never rugby schools. They were they were like for the for the um, black population, it was mostly soccer was their game. Like their schools were soccer, but now they're starting to play rugby more. Yeah, I think that's again that's a credit to him and and having people not you know in South Africa things were often um, you know there's a split on demographic lines. I remember as a Afrikaans young man. Rugby was always going to be your sport. Uh, the English blokes would be more focused on cricket and soccer, um, yep. and that's just how it was. Um, and and I think that's now changed because guys like Sia Kulisi and Lukanyo, um, uh, you know, and so many others are just absolute folk heroes now back in South Africa. Mm. Um, and again, you know, back to this game. Um, Cheslin Colby. I mean, what a fantastic guy. Um, yeah. Inter- you know, and he probably single-handedly, if, if there was somebody else in that jersey on the weekend, the box may well have lost the game. And I want to get into Cheslin Colby and what he did, but I think it's time for a drinks break because mine is empty. Okay. And you mentioned Cheslin, and that was the first time anyone's ever charged down a kick at a Rugby World Cup. And I think the Springboks outpassioned the French team. And you saw it with Eben. Eben brings it in every game. I just love the guy to bits. Yeah. Just wish he played for the All Blacks. He'd be a great lock for us. <laughs> wonder if we can get him over. But um, there was just the passion that they all showed, the commitment to win. And I don't think the French could bring that to the game. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I'm, I'm sure the French team would tell you that they, you know, they, they certainly looked like they had all the passion. Um, but... Yeah, that Colby is an absolute live wire, that is for sure. And um, he's got so much experience. Um, you know, the, the the attempted drop goal, he was clearly, you know, awake to anything and everything on the field. And um, and again, I, I you know, I, I, I think it is just a credit to a fantastic team culture that they had, um, there are so many things where Rossi has been pummeled in the media now by so many Springbok fans um, for uh, Pollard, you know, not picking Pollard in the starting lineup for, uh, uh, you know, as a as one thing. And, um, you know, and but it's interesting when you go and read the comments, there are very many... Um, comments in there as well, just telling people, hey, trust the coaching staff. And I think he's earned that, and Jagni Naber has earned that from the rugby community where they go, listen, I don't fully understand what you've done, <laughs> why yeah. you've done this, but we trust you. <laughs> and uh, and that is that is an amazing credit to him 
and that team and very clearly the players uh, seem to trust each other and um, yeah it's it's you know there, there's still a long way to go um, it, it's a slippery thing anything can happen the Springboks were not favorites uh, in the last World Cup um, I remember the English certainly were the favorites to win the last last World Cup final uh, and then the, the box pulled the surprise on them now uh, the English will have a um, will ha- will have an opportunity to turn the tables on them next weekend. But I agree with you. I certainly think that the Springbok team is is a heck of a lot better than the previous the the version of it at the previous previous World Cup. And um, but I think all the teams, in fairness, were better at this World Cup. It was an ama- you know it's been an amazing World Cup so far because we're still in it. We're still in it. Yeah, and a part of me and I, I was reflecting also about what I said in the previous rugby podcast about blaming Russi and Jack for the loss against the Irish, and I've been reflecting on that because I don't think I was wrong. I don't think I was wrong in terms of their decisions to persist with kicking at poles rather than going for the corner. I just have this nagging feeling that they would have preferred to play the French and for the All Blacks and Ireland to meet each other. So, again, a <laughs> little bit of conspiracy theory here, here first. There's a theme running through your comments <laughs> of that. Now, you talked about Razzie being at Munster, so I want to go back to the Irish. I think this Irish team is the apex of Irish rugby that it's ever been. And I don't know if they can actually get back to these heights. I think this was their one chance to win it. They've been favoured in the last one, and they actually were quite terrible in the last one. This one, they have been consistently good. Can you see them in the next four years here in Aussie being at the same level? Easily. Really? Absolutely. Because I don't think the – I think the strength of the Irish team isn't actually the – 23 players that they had on the field. It's their singing? <laughs> it's a river dance, of course, Craig. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it's the systems that they've put in place in their rugby. So they've got really strong rugby coaches. They have centralized contracting. They've got great coaches. They've got fabulous provincial teams that can de- develop players. Munster won the URC so with you know Munster, Leinster, they've got they they certainly have the the right infrastructure. But they won't have to, the same players. They they'll have new players. The, the players at the next World Cup will have new names. They won't be Bundy Arkey. They won't be. Gibson they won't Park, be. They won't be James Lowe. They will not be those players. But I'm I would be betting that they'll still be uh, cracking good players and that they will be giving everybody a run for their money and. Uh, unfortunately, there'll be a South African flavour as well because Jacques Ninaber will be Leinster's coach yes. from uh, whenever this Rugby World Cup ends for the Springboks. That's right, that's right. Wow. Well, going back to uh, this morning's game, what was the difference for you? Uh, banana peel. Um, yeah, <laughs> it exactly. Was, it was really that close. Um uh, you know, it was. I, I literally think. You know, there are. There were so many. There were probably a penalty if, that went if your you, way. <laughs> uh, um, you know, if you go, went through it, there were thirty-two minutes of play in that game. So uh, hopefully, for Fozzie, that that would have entertained him. 
Um, I, think I think he would have been highly entertained by that game. I know I was. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, like I said, um, Colby chasing down that kick, if that kick went over to the box, would have lost the game. Um, I think they're favourites now. I'm putting them down as my favourites. Yeah, the box don't. I don't think I, I don't like the box having that tag, and the box <laughs> don't like having that tag. <laughs> the box need to be underdogs. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't want the favourites tag. We're giving it to you. <laughs> so um, you know, I'll give that tag to the English again. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's you know, and that's that's the thing is it, it really is quite humbling when when you go and read Russie's book and you realise. Um, South African rugby, as powerful as it looks now, how much more resources a team like England actually has in comparison to the Springboks. So he talks about when um, the English were visiting South Africa and the choice of hotels that the English could pick that that the box couldn't afford. You know, so um, things like that where their budget really is absolutely limited and how they have to do things on a shoestring budget um, and, uh, you know, with the RAND and the exchange rate and all of that, certainly South Africa is uh, is struggling. And if um, and that's the, that's the other thing. You asked me about Ireland. South Africa is on such a knife edge that this may well be its last time where it has an opportunity to play at the strength because – um, things can very easily turn yep. negative in South Africa uh, through political and and other things, and they may not be there. I mean, we've seen this at this World Cup. There was already a close call um, that the box may not have even been able to play under their own flag on this morning. Um, yes, I mean, you saying so. You know, so yeah, so things outside their control may well impact them. Um, but yes, uh, you know. Many, many small moments, and I think ultimately uh, I have to probably concede that there was balanced refereeing. Um, <laughs> How did we get there? <laughs> and, Only um, took two beers. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the truth serum wins in the end. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, and, you know, um, I don't know what all of those Irish fans are going to do with their tickets for next weekend. <laughs> there may be some bargains out there. <laughs> Oh, okay, moving on to uh, next week. Yes, oh, I, I, you know, it does feel like a, you know, I don't, almost don't want to. Um, I, I saw um, Nigel Owens made a prediction of this past weekend's games, mm-hmm. and he predicted that the Irish would win, that the French would win. Wow. Um, you should stick to riffing there. <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 predicted that the four northern hemisphere teams would be making a clean sweep in this weekend. Wow! So, so after the second game, he actually posted a tweet again to go, "Well, I obviously got that wrong." Um, and um, you know, and I think that again just shows how difficult it is to to pick these. I feel quietly confident that. Both the All Blacks and the Springboks should be uh, on the positive outcome side uh, for this next weekend. Um, yeah, you never know, given what the box have done to others in at the last World Cup. 
Um, but that, it does. For the ages. It does appear like there may be a Springbok All Black uh, final, and what a cracker that would be! <laughs> oh, that will be just unbelievable. We'll have to watch that one together. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at what time it is. Hopefully, it's not three a.m. in the morning. But we may have to convince a pub somewhere here to open up and show that live. Well, hopefully, it might be an eleven o'clock one. You never know. Oh yeah, we'll just have to. That would be that would be beneficial to us. Yeah, have a quick look at the schedule there. Yeah, I'm fairly confident that we can get past Argentina. You don't want to be cocky, but I think that loss early to France, the loss to the Springboks at Twickenham, have given us a purpose that I haven't seen us play with for a while. Yes, absolutely. So it is Sunday 3am on the 29th of October is the final. Still, though, it's going to be it's going to be an amazing game. It, it is going to be an amazing game, and I think we should certainly make an effort to watch that one live, even if it's that time. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I think even like I said, I'm going to have a look at those the other two games. Uh, I, I did have a sticky beak every now and again on the live scores, and I did notice that uh, those games were also actually closer than I would have predicted prior to the game and um, yeah so uh, looking forward to go and watch those games uh, I don't know what the um, uh, injury tally would be after this weekend um, so that would also be interesting to see what that looks like New Zealand seem to have all their props back in action uh, Lomax and De Groot back in ac- action uh, and, and running freely by the looks of it so yeah, I think it's uh, you know it's it, it is an amazing rugby World Cup again, and uh, just excited to see it and to still be in it, and um, yeah, looking forward to next weekend. I know we were complaining quietly beforehand about the draw because you know obviously you're worried that you might get knocked out, and that's just unfair because of how good we are. But now we are through, but France continue the record of not winning a World Cup. And the only teams that have won a World Cup at home are? South Africa. And? The All Blacks. That's right. You just feel... We've got it twice. Yeah, you you feel for that. Yeah, South Africa needs to host it again soon. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure. We may need to just check if Australia is committed to it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it'll be a cracker of a game. And you, you feel for... You feel for the French and the Irish because I think they were better than uh, both teams were better than getting it on the scorecard fell out at the quarterfinal stages. You know, and, and the previous time South Africa played uh, France in a Rugby World Cup, I think was in the 95 Rugby World Cup where they almost, players almost drowned because of the rain. And that was a cracking match again. And, you know, you just, yeah, you don't get weak French rugby teams. Not now you don't. Not now you don't. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Please make sure to follow us on all good podcast streaming platforms. We are now across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also remember to follow us on Instagram, where's underscore my underscore sports underscore at and follow us on Facebook as well. Have a laugh with us. Please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We welcome your comments and feedback. Thank you.